Thank you, Mary. And before we dive into that passage, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the Bible. Thank you for having spoken to us through these words, words written many, many years ago, but words which remain totally um, valid and true today. We pray now that through the work of the Holy Spirit that you would speak into our hearts and into our minds so that we may respond as we should. Amen. Now I need you to listen carefully, please. Listen carefully. What is a four-letter word with a small laugh in the middle? What is a four-letter word with a small laugh in the middle? Any response from anybody? Correct, correct. I'm glad somebody switched on this morning. You see, that was a statement. Uh, It wasn't a question. It's It's a riddle. Something intentionally phrased, I fully admit, to try to trap you. Did I succeed? Maybe. Obviously, I didn't succeed for some of you who are clearly far more intelligent and switched on than I was. Because when I heard that, it took me ages to work the one out, until finally the penny dropped and, dare I say, ha, 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 those two small letters, a small laugh in the middle of the word, what? Well, today... In Matthew chapter 22, we hear of an attempt to trap Jesus. An attempt to trap Jesus. Not for some poor effort at humor, which I I did try but failed miserably. Um, But actually, it's with a very serious motive. So here's the tension right at the beginning here of this passage. Will Jesus get caught in this trap? Will Jesus get caught in this trap. Now, I do need to set the scene. You may have been with us for the past few weeks. You may be brand new today, so I need to set the scene. I need to tell you of the context. You see, we began this series in chapter 21 when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now, the crowds, they really welcomed him. They shouted, Hosanna, words of great praise. But the religious leaders They did not welcome Jesus. Instead, they had a right go at Jesus. They questioned his authority to say and do the things Jesus was doing. And more recently, Jesus has spoken in parables about the wrong responses to God. We had the parable of two sons. One said, yes, he would go and work in the vineyard, but he didn't. The other had earlier said he wouldn't do so, but he did. And Jesus asked, so which of the two did what the father wanted? And then Jesus spoke another parable about tenants, tenants working on a vineyard. And when the owner wanted to collect his fruit, the tenants refused to do so. They beat up, they stoned, they even killed the owner's servants. And then the owner sent his own son, but the tenants killed the son. And so the owner gives the vineyard to others who will indeed give him the share of the harvest. Now by the end of those two parables, the chief priests and the Pharisees have a problem. 
a serious problem to them. That problem is Jesus. They knew Jesus was talking about them. And at the end of chapter 21, verse 40, they looked for a way to arrest Jesus. But they were afraid. They were afraid of the crowd who was on Jesus' side because the people held that Jesus was a prophet. And then there's a third parable told by Jesus in chapter 22 of a royal wedding banquet where those who had been invited, they refused to come. And so the king was enraged and he invited all others, both good and bad, to come and be guests. So there's the context. Then, that's how verse 15 begins, isn't it? Then, immediately follows what Jesus has just been saying. Then, the Pharisees went out, and what did they do? They laid plans to trap Jesus, to entangle him in his words. The plot began to discredit Jesus. And so, here's that tension again. Will Jesus get in the trap you know actually it's a very very clever carefully hatched plot notice first we've got an unholy alliance here very strange bedfellows at the beginning of verse 16 where we have the Pharisees join forces with the Herodians now we've met the Pharisees on many occasions they're all part of the Jewish religious party who firmly hold on to the Torah, the law of God. The Pharisees, they believed God chose Israel as his people and rewarded and punished people according to the law. They were meticulous in their behavior, strictly devoted to following rules and regulations as stated in the law. But they could not see Jesus for who he was. Now Herod, Herod was a puppet king under the Roman rule. Herod was a sympathizer, a collaborator with the Romans. The Herodians, well, you could call them his groupies. The people who were sort of following his, his, uh, his, his lead, happy to be associated with the Roman authorities. So together, this most unusual uh, group of allies, they have, what do we call it? A cunning plan. The perfect strategy. The punchline, the big question was there at the end of verse 17 as they asked Jesus, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now did you notice first that along the way they went to Jesus with great flattery, didn't they? They tried to sort of lull Jesus into a sense of freedom with his words, to lower uh, his defenses and to give an unguarded opinion. Now we see similar tactics, don't we, when journalists try to grill some politician. What did they do? Well, they, they appealed to Jesus' incorruptible honesty as they said, we know you are a man of integrity. They appealed to Jesus' theological skills as they said to Jesus, you take, teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. They appealed to his independence of thought as they said to Jesus, you aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. 
Now, these phrases are actually perfectly true of Jesus. He will never tailor his words to suit people, whoever they are. Power does not intimidate Jesus. Intelligence does not overawe him. And popularity doesn't sway Jesus. But it wasn't an honest question in verse 17. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? It was a brilliant question. A question that demands a yes or no answer. If Jesus says yes, he would be deemed to be a traitor. He would lose the popularity of the people who do not like the rule of the Romans, who hate and resent paying taxes. Taxes which are the symbolic reminder of the oppression that they're under. If Jesus would say yes with the Passover celebrations approaching, when people are at a a heightened level, hoping that Jesus would lead a movement for change, then the people would surely turn against Jesus, just as the Pharisees wanted, which would hopefully lead to that opportunity to arrest Jesus. Surely he can't say yes. And if Jesus answered no, then the Herodians would win. They certainly would pay their taxes and did pay their taxes. So if he said no, Jesus would be deemed an insurrectionist, a dangerous anarchist, and also be liable for arrest. Can't say no, can he? It's a brilliant question, isn't it? A cunning plan, the perfect strategy. So that tension again. Would Jesus be caught in their trap? But verse 18 Jesus sees straight through them. He knew their evil intent, their malice behind the question. He knew their motives were not honest. It was just pretense. Look how he answers them in verses 18 through to 21. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They, they brought him a denarii. And he asked them, whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. The trap backfires they thought it was a, a, clear, a checkmate move, but actually Jesus had checkmated them. Now, we hate it when politicians never answer a straight question, yes or no, but Jesus gives the perfect answer. He actually says, if they're due, pay your taxes. Now, Jesus took a coin. I've brought a coin today, a two-pound coin. He asks, whose image is on it. Well, this two-pound coin has got a picture of the late queen. And also the denarii he had in his hand had an inscription to Caesar as well. It had the image of Caesar. So Jesus says the coin, therefore, belongs to Caesar. So pay your taxes. Now, I believe it was Benjamin Franklin who wrote, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes, death and taxes. I'm sure we've heard that phrase before. 
And the Apostle Paul later wrote to the church in Rome, if you owe taxes, pay taxes, because all authorities are God's servants. There is no authority except that which God has established. And it's only if that authority promotes decisions, promotes laws which are totally contrary to the Bible, do we then need to resist? So, even if you did not vote for your government, Christians are called to obey your authorities. You pay your taxes. So don't fall into the temptations to, to cheat the tax man, to avoid tax, to pay cash in hand for jobs and therefore avoid VAT. Don't lie on your tax form. Pay what is owed. But that's not really the main point of what Jesus is saying here. What does he say else? What else does he say? Far more importantly, give to God what is due to him. Give to God what is due to him. As the old authorized version would say, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render to God the things that are God's. Let's ensure we do that. The Bible, in the very first chapter of Genesis, teaches that humans are created in the image of God. We therefore belong to God. And therefore, all that we do should reflect and honor that image of God in us. So how do we give God what is due to him? Well, think again about those three earlier parables which have clearly said to the Pharisees how they failed to do so. They're likened to that son who said he would work in the vineyard but didn't. The Pharisees were like those tenants who refused to give God the owner of the fruit, the fruit of the harvest. They were like the guests who declined to attend the royal wedding banquet. How do we give to God what is God's? We need to give him the thanks and praise which he deserves. Perhaps every morning when we awake, we ought to thank him for bringing us safely to the beginning of the day and thank him throughout the day and when you go to bed for all that he's given you that day. We need to know that we are accountable to him. We need to follow the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. We also need to love our neighbors as ourselves, realizing we are all, each single one of us, created in the image of God. And if we don't do those things, we rob God of areas in our life from his love and his rule. With our money, we need to honor God, to give back to him what he has only given to us, to give him the fruit of the vineyard in which we work. And with our time, we need to have God as our priority, not ourselves. This is what God deserves. This is giving to God what is his. Brothers and sisters, let's make that our aim each and every day. God makes no exceptions. God demands our whole life, whoever we are and wherever we are.
as we draw to a close. Verse 22, did you notice the reaction of those Pharisees and the Herodians? They were amazed. So they left him and went away. They were probably speechless. They, they had no comeback at all against Jesus' response to their cunning plot to trap him. They'd gone into that encounter expecting to humiliate and checkmate Jesus, yet they were totally routed and humiliated themselves. They left with their tails between their legs. That's the phrase, isn't it? They wanted to put the boot into Jesus, but actually the boot was now on Jesus' foot against them. So let me end with the question which really needs to be asked throughout whenever we read of these encounters with Jesus. What do you make of this Jesus? What do you make of this Jesus? Does he leave you in amazement as we hear what he says and does? If so, we should not resist him. Resist him. Because resistance is futile, say the Borg. Instead, let us give him the praise and worship he deserves. Let us give to God what is God's. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge today and every day that all things come from you. So, Heavenly Father, we pray that we would give you all that you deserve. Our hearts, our minds, totally dedicated to you, and our lips dedicated to declaring your praise and telling the good news of Jesus to all who we meet. Amen.